Welcome to Generation Fangirl. You were born in the 80s. And you were born in the 90s. And together, we talk about Nintendo 64, Powerpuff Girls, and everything in between. <laughs> nice. It's a bit of a segue. Oh, yeah. Time, trying, to, trying to, you know, trying it out. Yeah. Keep it relevant, fresh. Because this time, we're talking about Magical Girls. And this yes. is going to be part one of our our two-parter episodes for this. Um, we're going to be focusing on the Japanese, like, Magical Girls, kind of where it all came from first. Yeah, because that's what I automatically think of when you say Magical Girl. I think of Maho Shoujo. But we were kind of thinking about it, and there's a lot of Western shows and animation that technically is also Magical Girls, mm-hmm. so we figured we should talk about them, too. But yeah. that's so much to put into one episode. So God, now we get so it two-parter. Because they share a lot of themes, but there's just so much because it really has, it's really become a genre in itself. And I hesitate to use the word genre with this. I think we talked a little bit about this in our um, MCU episode, because Mm -hmm. I think superhero genre or magical girl genre, they, they can all be so different that it's not really... A genre anymore it's more just kind of like a type of i don't know it's, it's just the subject matter um yeah but as and, we'll see here they yeah they just cover a wide range of different yeah there isn't and, like a set rules of mm-hmm. it's just that they kind of share a lot of the same stuff but mm-hmm. as we'll talk about there's going to be some shows that some people argue isn't exactly a magical girl anime or whatever but i think it mostly is mm-hmm. but before we get into that yes. some podcast housekeeping Yes. First of all, okay, what do I want to start with? I want to start with Ace Attorney because we just had that episode. And I just, God, I love it so much. And even re-listening to it after you like sent me the proof, I just feeling all these emotions about Ace Attorney. It's so good. But we were talking. (laughs) Sorry. Yes. I just, I had a thought. Mm -hmm. Here's how much I love Ace Attorney is after we recorded the episode and I listened to it and edited it and all that stuff, I really wanted to replay the trilogy right so i was like you know what i'm just gonna buy it on the switch this is what they wanted and i am guilty of being like fine i will buy this game again Mm -hmm. just to have it on my switch Mm -hmm. so i can replay it just like i want to finish those dlc cases that that there are a couple that i haven't completely finished yet there's the one um where you are defending a shamu uh like a shamu like like a shamu yeah, right? that looks weird a shamu at this like pirate themed amusement park you mean a killer whale it's a, yes 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 the yes the shamu as yes that's what i said the shamu so <laughs> and the, it's, so that is in dual destinies which is the, the one that came after uh apologizes i don't even know how to like characterize them they're, they're weird but that was the so least, one with athena yes and she's a pirate her first her first uh, uh, initial thing and there's a pirate there too who also looks a lot like Athena so they all kind of have same face it's fine but the, that bonus episode has been pretty good so far it's I've honestly been a little better than the rest of the game was which is surprising but I need to finish that one and then there are a couple of DLCs for Spirit of Justice stuff like that uh, this is not what I'm here to talk about I'm here to talk about the anime because we like fools were just we were like Man, it would be so nice if they really continue with the series. I hope they do. They probably won't, but I really hope they do. Well, guess what? We got our wish because we should have probably done a little bit of more research, but it's fine because season two of Ace Attorney started airing last month 
uh, October 8th. Um, exactly one month ago. Yeah. What? What's crazy? Crazy. Yeah. And I and, just found out about this from you yep, 30 yep, minutes ago. I, I feel like such a fake like, fan. <laughs> and I I saw that they, they have a few um, bonus episodes that are going to be coming out as well which is exciting, but they just started their second season. And I was confused because season one has 24 episodes and actually covers the first two games. So I thought that season two covered Justice for All, the second game. But in fact, season one kind of covers both of those. So season two is starting off with Trials and Tribulations, the third game. So Godot's in it, and we're going to get a lot more backstory stuff. I'm so excited. Mm. I'm so excited. I went on Crunchyroll today to look up magical girl things and Godot's face was like on one of their banners and I just I love him so much and that game is my my favorite it's the first one I finished completely so geeking out about it a little bit so Mm -hmm. and then um I wanted to also talk about Venom just real quick uh a quick right turn I saw it I've seen it twice now and it was even better a second time and it was wonderful and it's just it's everything I want in just like a it's it's also totally self-aware it's like really cheesy the writing is so bad but like but like good in a way that it's just like really just shitty like bro cop duo thing but they're also in love maybe slash venom is like like rooting for him and his ex-girlfriend but like also like ot3 it's it's a lot it's a lot to process but it is amazing and seeing it twice and just seeing the different reactions from the crowds is absolutely bananas i uh i've mentioned i work in a movie house so i've dropped off food at like a screening of venom and one time someone's reaction was just so priceless i was like dropping off their like fries or whatever and i look up and it's like a couple and the guy is just like leaning back in his seat covering his entire face and trying not to laugh during the scene where where he goes into like the restaurant and then he sits in this entire tank of lobsters and it's just like it's just a lot and you really need to see it, Peony. It's very I know. I know. I'm sorry. It's just mm-hmm. this month has been crazy. <laughs> I don't know if it's been no, the no, same no. for anyone else, but like, what the heck is going on? I totally agree. Bananas. And I'm not here to shame you into watching it, but I'm just saying you would enjoy it. And I would love to watch it with you. It's a lot. And it's better with drinks. Oh, but everything's it's be- better. It's with just drinks. so good in general. And then you want to talk about. Oh yeah, so this is kind of, I guess, also related to this episode. A little news um, section. The, yeah, the the new Shira cartoon is coming out on Netflix next week, and I have a lot of feelings about this. I didn't grow up with the original cartoon, although I knew about it, um, so I don't have a lot of nostalgic feelings for it. But it just looks so cool because, as we will talk about throughout the episode and throughout many other episodes. I really love magical girls with swords. So <laughs> like, this is just like, yes. <laughs> and also it made the internet really mad. So I like that too. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm very I, excited. It's not for, it's not for my age group. Like I can tell it's kind of for a younger audience and that's mm-hmm. fine. I will still enjoy it. And I'm just very excited to see it. Yeah. And I mean, that's the demographic, but we can still, enjoy things that were like that are intended for for children or or whatever and also just appreciate it from that perspective of being adults and appreciating the artwork and everything but I also am really excited to see a show that will 
have like a, like a diverse cast of representation and like we have we're gonna have like queer representation in the show I'm sure and it's just like very soft and it just makes me feel so like soft and happy that we get to see a show that has so much goodness and I'm very I'm very excited to see it it's um, a show I that I wish that it's the kind of show that I always wanted when I was like 12 yeah. 13 14 and, and we and didn't love, have shows like that yeah and, and I love the shows that I did grow up with but it's very it's very cool to grow up and be an adult and be able to see the kind of content that you wish you had back then being put out into the world and I think that's what like growing up and becoming an adult especially in the creative sphere is about at least when you are um making things for kids and, and for the next generation yeah and I can't believe it's coming out next week already it's already I November know, I know we're, we're I just I totally forgot <laughs> yeah but we'll definitely have an episode about that show I'm sure we, we gotta binge it together have a, a, a Skype date or something well, I mean we can talk about it in the next episode when we talk for about sure. our western stuff Hell I'm yeah. sure I will have it mostly finished by then. I mean, you know, Netflix is so crazy, but they, they just dump all the episodes and you're just like, okay. Like, cool. Binging is my life now, I guess. That's just how I have to consume content. This is fine. Netflix There's so is much like, I do. Netflix is like, we heard you like to binge. So have all of them. <laughs> we sure like to binge. So we put binging and binging and binging and binging. Oh it just goes on and on and on and on. Please. Please, Put spoilers on your spoiler. Yeah. Please. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I have a lot of feelings about Magical Girl. All right. And I don't know if I mentioned it in the Guilty Pleasures episode, but mm. it definitely was a, like something that I never really, I was like, oh, yeah, I like, I like some of those shows, but I was like just vibrating with like, yes, I love those shows, but I didn't cool. tell anybody. Yeah. It's, it was certainly like growing up it's a niche that wasn't like we had superhero stuff especially uh once like iron man came out superhero things took over mass media or, or rather pop culture uh in america but when i was growing up i didn't really know what a magical girl was until like i found that first book which i will talk about of course it was tokyo Mew Mew for me but I, I never had a guilty pleasure sort of thing with it that's also because i had a close friend that i could share it with and become very obsessed in the world and art of manga and comics through mm -hmm. that so yeah this definitely I, my, like, I, had that mm -hmm. I had that too i had that too and on um middle school junior high mm -hmm. you know you have those like two three friends and they they get you and then you just kind of shut everybody else out right and especially i think it's it's a really important time to discover magical girls when you are in middle school and at mm -hmm. that age and i'm yeah. so fortunate that that was the time when it i kind of was able to see more series about that especially with um like manga being serialized in america mostly tokyo pop i think uh around that time they, they made a, yes. they put a lot of shoujo stuff out um and then later shoujo beat um mm -hmm. good stuff i wanted to read the definition of magical girls that i when i found online that i liked mm -hmm. um magical girls are quote empowered with fantastic powers that both assist and complicate their lives but they manage to persevere despite this mm -hmm. and that is so quintessentially my kind of female hero like like hero character and lead character i love that they have the, all these powers or like they're uh -huh. very competent in certain ways but it also complicates things but they can still be strong because of that yeah because one of the kind of so like i said there's not really specific rules that you have to have every single 
certain thing to be a magical girl show but mm-hmm. the majority of them are younger girls they're they're teenagers they're mm-hmm. in high school they're yeah, in or, middle or school. preteen yeah or preteen and so that is always a part of the story is bouncing that out and it kind of reminds me a lot of my boy spidey because mm-hmm. like that was always one of the things that i always really enjoyed because he was younger so yeah. it was like not only do you have this crazy you know dealing with just being a superhero in general you also have to balance being a teenager and like that's always been a fun concept for me even though I've seen it a thousand times I'm always excited to see see that uh how the characters will deal with that because you know sometimes it's a secret and sometimes it's not a secret but like I like seeing how they deal with not being your average eighth grader you know, for sure. <laughs> uh, a lot of Magical Girl, um, the genre deals with transformation more mm-hmm. so, I think, than superhero genre does. It's the transformation and the alter self um, of them. Um, I, When I was looking into the history of the genre, it was interesting because it brought up uh, Princess Knight, um, yes. also known as Ribon no Kishi, which is a manga that was made in 1953. And I actually know of this because I own the first volume of it. They um, reprinted it somewhat recently. And so I read the, the beginning of it. But it's not what you typically expect, or rather what the what a magical girl has come to mean today. Um, it's about a princess who is born with a blue heart of a boy and a pink heart of a girl. She's a princess, but she has to disguise herself as a prince growing up. And basically, I was rereading this, and literally in the first chapter, so she's born, and the kingdom is like, the, the, the doctor's like, oh, she's a girl, yay, we have a princess. But then the doctor has a lisp, so he goes out to tell the townspeople that it's a princess, but he says princess or something, and they're all like, oh, a prince? Excellent because only princes can rule. And so then she has to basically just live her life as a prince because it gets so out of control that the king and queen are like, well, we can't tell anyone now because they all think she's a prince. So I guess she'll just be a prince for the rest of her life. This it's crazy. very, I've right? never, I've heard of it, but I've never read it or, or watched it or anything. It's, and it's very, it's very interesting. It's an interesting like product of, of, of that time in 1953. Mm-hmm. Like it has that very old school cartoon style to it where it does have a lot of similarities with um, kind of what I think, what, what I imagine, um, uh, what I picture like older manga to be, but it also has a lot of yeah. very cartoony well, it was made styles. By the, it was made by the um, same person who made Asher Boy and Kimba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, so- which I think also inspired a lot of like the old school um, Disney and American cartoon style where it's like very exaggerated like running motions and like a cartoony like yeah i think think they kind of borrowed from each other Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's interesting to see that because then manga has kind of or kind of grew into much more of a at least shoujo more more frilly and and things yeah but like the big eyes and and all that stuff is definitely Mm -hmm. that's where i can i can tell where it got its start for sure and interestingly enough, as I was looking into this, this the manga was inspired by the all-female theater troupe, um, Tarazuka <laughs> Review, which is the theater troupe that we mentioned last episode, who performed the Ace Attorney musical, where mm-hmm. it's an all-female all cast and they play all the roles. And I just, 
what what that it's crazy that's we it's i love it um yeah this and I think, whole episode is going to be things that were inspired by other things that we just talked just, about it just connects and connects and connects yeah and so the kind of the the androgynous heroines who could play princess and prince roles um the, the, that series deals with that a lot and so she's always kind of she doesn't transform uh and it's not necessarily magical there's a little angel that follows her around but mm -hmm. at least at the beginning she does definitely have an alter self um kind of thing where she spends 12 hours of her day as a princess in the morning and then by 9 a.m she's like well it's time for me to be a prince now so she changes into her prince clothes and goes and does all her princely things um which is uh, interesting and it reminded me of uh like the androgynous heroines thing with revolutionary girl utena and i know you love that so oh, yeah I, I actually <laughs> i don't know much about it other than i, I i've been oh it's to, crazy yeah, i it's been on my list and I love all of the art and everything I've seen of it, but mm -hmm. I'm not entirely familiar. It wasn't my entry into the magical girl genre. Yeah, so I'll try to summarize it up really, really quick. Um, so first off, it was inspired by two things. Um, one is the Rose of Versailles. Oh, yes. This, yeah, which it, it's really obvious when you tell, but mm -hmm. when you look at it. Um, it, which is a much older manga and I believe anime too. And, you know, it takes place in uh, the French Revolution and that sort of time, like Marie Antoinette is a character in it and all this other stuff. And there's, there is a, I don't know very much about it because I haven't read it, but there is a character who is a woman, but she's dressed up as like, as a male soldier and stuff, but like, she's very beautiful and all this stuff. So it's, I know there's a lot of Yuri to it. So, um, but that's all I really know about it. Yeah. And it really is just the styles is very inspired. By and, it. and that and, did not seem to be the case necessarily with princess Knight. I it looked, it, it seems that she didn't have a, a female love interest or kind of broaching anything close to that, but it is interesting because it does have, she was literally born with a, a heart of a boy and a heart of a girl. So it has mm -hmm. interesting connections to kind of queer, uh, I, I'm not gonna say representation, but- Yeah, because uh, I don't think um, that was the intent because this was the 50s. And and, and it could always be, it, it's more allusions to, or rather how we how we interpret it now, I think is it has a very strong case for that. But real quick, I, I wanted to say the, my, my really only uh, uh, knowledge of Rosa Versailles, aside from kind of just knowing it in general of, is I went to a, Japanese dollar store once. Um, it wasn't Kinokuniya. It was um, what was it called? Fit in Houston, oh, and yeah. they have a makeup section. And one of the makeup, they had this like eyelash product, or mm -hmm. it was like mascara, but it was all Rosa Versailles themed. And so it had like them on it, like get big, beautiful manga shoujo eyes, like Rosa Versailles yeah, yeah, by that, this mascara. And style, I, I love I that. Yeah, I don't know if, I know this is one of the big influencers. I don't know if it's the main influence for that shoujo I would, I would style, that but it, it definitely has like the big eyes with sparkles and lots of floral like um, backgrounds and everything yeah, that you see. Really delicate. Yeah, lots of yes. frilly stuff. And I've actually, I've never read it or watched it and I'm kind of surprised because that's, that just I like the pretty frilly stuff and so, as we'll get into when we talk about clamp and everything um and so yeah I really need to check that one out because I've heard it's very good it's just one of those like classic anime series um exactly but yeah it's it's very obviously an inspiration point from uh from Utena which is 
like a big 90s anime so it's kind of old school now but if you ever watch it please watch the dub please or watch the sub please do not watch the dub because they did not have anime dubbing wasn't really a business yet and it's really bad dubbing can be very good now but oh a a lot of it could be a little rocky uh, back in the 90s yeah and and a lot of people even would argue that it's not a um it's not really a magical girl anime i believe it it it's kind of a sub genre i guess i don't know i mean it, i think that if if princess knight started this because it, it didn't necessarily I, I think shoujo genre in general and the movement of that is very inherently linked to magical girls and mm-hmm. the whole transformation and because i mean there it, is kind of a transformation scene but it's just not the same way mm-hmm. um but a lot of it is is girls like taking up a sword and, and like fighting but still being feminine in that and i think that is what's inherently like like the foundation of the magical girl tropes and themes yeah and we'll talk about that a little bit later i think or i guess we could talk about it now i mean the only thing i'll say about it is that uh, i think even to this day a lot of people still think that oh magical girl animes are it's just a bunch of like hearts and sparkles and frilly stuff and like nothing bad ever happens it's just cutesy stuff but <laughs> a lot of it is there's some you know there's violence like their characters are killed it's very very dramatic and serious plot lines and it's but on the surface it looks very cutesy and like not very deep (laughs) a lot of it especially now and and we'll get a little more into this later but it kind of they they rely on lulling into you they rely on that instinct where you start watching it and it kind of lulls you into this false sense of like this is going to be frivolous but but it can really go it contains multitudes we had princess knight in 1953 and rosa versailles in 1972 but what really kind of revitalized the genre is of course sailor moon in the 1990s that was Um, definitely my first introduction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which i feel like is a lot of other people's because it's like it's it's the poster child Definitely. It, the manga was in 1991 and anime in 92. And it was the first real success of um, in America of, of like consuming that, I think, uh, of the mm-hmm. shoujo genre. And it yeah. features like the magical transformations, which were key. Um, and I think have become the kind of staple for Magical Girl series because they become more feminine, but also more powerful. And having that specific scene where we see them transform and it can bring out parts of their personality in like the transformation movements like like sailor moon she transforms with ribbons and things but Mm -hmm. there are other like characters like mint from tokyo Mew Mew who transforms with feathers and kind of they all just get their own sequences and it's so self-indulgent you know i actually had an interesting point about um the transformation scenes and stuff and Let's I didn't really it. know where to bring it up, so I might as well bring oh, it up excellent. now. Yes, um, is, yes. I don't. Okay, I've seen this in an interview, and I don't remember who is being interviewed, but it's some, it's a director or a writer or someone who's very prominent in some some big magical girl anime, and I'm not sure who it is. I've just seen the the interview about it, and he was addressing the common critique. About, you know, ah. all these, uh, you know, these magical girls, they, they like do this transformation scene for like two minutes and the monsters just stand there and just watch them. 
And why don't they just kill them in the middle of this transformation scene? And please, that's he... a that's a weakling's <laughs> point of view. Like, why don't we just kill? No, please. You yeah, think we're not stronger than that. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> but he made some sort of point that was like when they like, and the, the good example I have for this is the Sailor Scouts because they literally turn into like a silhouette of light mm-hmm. of their mm-hmm. their silhouette, and so he was saying that like when when they transform and they are just a beam of light, basically they are the most powerful because they're just like pure magical girl energy. So like if you attacked them, the monsters would just like explode. (laughs) So I was like, that's great. But it was also a lot of nice adjectives. Like they're the purest form of like love and hope and all of that stuff. And that's like this most the most powerful force, basically, that's killing all these monsters if they try to attack them when they're in their transformation. Oh, I, I love like, that. That's yeah, that's but because... I don't know who that who said that. I gotta find that. So, but it was it was just really cool to hear. I love that because they. It's true when they transform, they're not. It's it's not like in the background. They're not just on the street and transforming. It becomes this like sparkly, like in between state. And it's, I love it. It's so <laughs> wonderful and unapologetically like girly and indulgent. And we need things like that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of things that were, that even to this day, because they are seen as feminine, they're seen as weak and silly, mm-hmm. like, oh, sparkles and rainbows. Mm-hmm. Oh, but like. But because when they transform, they become more feminine with their, with their outfits and their big hair and like, like their hair either gets like uh, more pink or like mm-hmm. has impossible curls in it, and they have these frilly dresses or really like like sharp like bows skirts and, and like and, and hard boots and, and bows. Yes, and like they become more feminine, but they become more powerful, and you can't deny that. But like they couldn't fight crime without their wonderfully feminine um, uniforms. Frilly outfits. I don't know uniforms. Yes, yeah, Costumes. and even the even the weapons too. Like mm-hmm. you know, things have bows on them, and they're cute. Like the Sailor Scouts would like use compacts to transform yes. and all that stuff, and it just I don't know. Because I remember uh, when I was younger, I was like, oh yeah, I know it's really silly and girly or whatever. But now that I'm older, I'm like, no, I think that's really cool that they take things that are normally like feminine things and that becomes their power source like Mm -hmm. that's awesome Mm -hmm. because growing up we think like we're supposed to be ashamed of liking the color pink at least Mm -hmm. in our generations I think it's getting better now um but it's it's great to see that being not only applauded but just like that that is the source of their power yeah um and they lean into it but but even even past that like we don't only have girly girls being the main characters they all have distinct personalities and different lives to juggle amidst also being a magical girl and i mean i guess we can just start talking about our first series here because my first two ones were sailor moon of course because mm-hmm. we don't live under rocks and <laughs> tokyo Mew Mew was my like first one but even if you have characters who are a little more tomboyish like um, like Ray from Sailor Moon, and I say mm-hmm. tomboyish, but really she was a priestess, and I think that's a difference. But having the dub in the more um, Americanized localization of it, she was painted more as like a tough tomboy kind of character. Sailor yeah. Jupiter too, I, I guess. Um, but still, they still can have that feminine side. Yeah, like because they, and they're uh, not ashamed of. Yeah, it, and like fine. Jupiter is my favorite 
um, example because she was always my favorite growing up and she was always painted as like, oh, she's the tough one. She's the muscles and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But when you actually like get to know her character and stuff, her hobbies are very feminine. Like she likes to bake and she likes flowers. Floral and arrangements. She likes floral arrangements. And like her dream is to be married one day and to have a bakery. And But at the same time, she also gets into school fights. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, so you can be both. Mm-hmm. And she's known and, as like the tall, tough girl. But, yeah. but then we also have like like Sailor Mars, who is a priestess, and she is very much not necessarily a lone wolf character. I think obviously uh, Zachario from Tokyo Mimu, who whose animal is literally a wolf, is more of a lone wolf character. But even then, like having them be part of a team, and we have these kind of more colder girls, but they can still be magical girls. It's mm-hmm. not just limited to the bubbly like ditzy like girly girls it's it's mm-hmm. it's all kinds of girls yeah when did tokyo Mew Mew come out yes tokyo Mew Mew came out after uh uh sailor moon did yeah um, because i think it premiered think... in the year 2000 oh yeah um <laughs> which is a, actually a lot well I, I guess that makes sense yeah that tracks but it became sealer serialized kind of around um I don't know when was i in middle school uh 2003 was the first release of it um well, because I was going to mention that um, I I think with Sailor Moon, that was kind of the first anime, at least that I can think of, where it was a team. Yes. Um, and so, which obviously is is not a new concept now. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things that that this one show did for the rest of the mm-hmm. of the like even today anything that any new magical girl anime that comes out, it's always going to be compared to Sailor Moon, mm-hmm. which is and fine. I, I think I think it's um, a lot of people will disregard some magical girl animes or series like Tokyo Mew and being like, oh, Tokyo Mew is just Sailor Moon, but with animals instead of planets or whatever. And Mm -hmm. that one is an easy way to describe it. But they're also they are different. Sailor Moon definitely is the marker by which we define other magical girl genre or magical girl series nowadays, um, Mm -hmm. for sure, especially like when I think of magical girls, I think of a team of magical girls. Yeah. Um, I guess Cardcaptor Sakura is not really a, uh, she doesn't have a team really, but yeah, she does she's have. She's really just, I mean, she, there's other, there's other, there's other characters that kind of have magical uh, abilities or like they study magic or something, but she is uniquely just her. And and with Magic Knights Ray Earth, it's somewhat similar. They they are a team, but there there are just three girls, so it's not necessarily a in Tokyo Mimu and Sailor Moon and and other series like that. It becomes at least the beginning few episodes are very much a okay. I realized I'm a magic girl. I have to find the other members of my team who mm-hmm. are fated to be this. Yeah, um, which is a great setup, and I love seeing it over and over again. It just like. It is a very good narrative structure and has a lot of ways that you can play around with that, especially mm-hmm. if you like bend it a little bit because there are series that make it like a little darker once they've found their like companions and things like that. But I guess, so I wanted to talk about our first um, series, our first Magical Girl series, yeah. but also our favorite series. And while we're talking through those, we can also kind of throw in different Maho themes uh, yeah. and things like that. I think basically all, all the series I've written down all deal with girls in school. Um, mm-hmm. They're all school age. They're all coming of age stories. Definitely my first one of Tokyo Mew Mew and Sailor Moon were that, um, I guess they're 
the localization's a little weird because they're in middle school, but they are sometimes like there there are some high schooler magical girls as well. So it kind of ranges a little bit there. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely like the world resting on the shoulders of these young girls. And well, and also the that, uh, the like grades are kind of different in America. Mm-hmm. Yes, in Japan. That's, so, like, that, and that's true. Um, um, yeah. with most of the series, I think they're normally around the same age. But at least Tokyo Mimi kind of spread it out a little bit. There's mm-hmm. um, at least there's the the main group of girls are in middle school and sixth grade ish in our terms, but there is a slightly younger preteen girl putting and then a slightly older model slash adult girl, but she's actually just 17. Maybe (laughs) I think she's 17 or or 16 or something. 19, 19 tops, but like no older than that. Yeah. And yet, and yet even with this, I didn't feel like with magical girls, it's different than I'm going to use Harry Potter as an analogy. Uh, It's different than, oh, you didn't get your Harry Potter letter. With Magical Girls, I don't think that there is an age at which you stop being able to be a Magical Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that, imagining in that fantasy realm, it's it's different. Um, I want to talk about this series later, but Magical Girl Raising Project is one of my very favorite Magical Girl series. Um, and that one deals actually a lot with the idea that it doesn't matter how old you are to be a magical girl. And there are some magical girls in that series who are in their thirties. And there's mm-hmm. one who like is a mother and there's one who is just an, a middle schooler. There's one who's a seven year old. And so it really ranges. Um, but in their transformations, they transform into their magical personas that look completely different from them. So they can project that onto that magical persona. So they don't have a restricting age, which I really enjoy, but definitely with the earlier shoujo magical girl series, it was a lot revolved around their coming of age schoolgirl stories and how they juggled those worlds. <laughs> yes. I've just talked a lot, but like, it's okay. You actually reminded me of a web comic that oh. if you haven't, heard of you should totally read and i'll send it to you later what is it do you know called shattered starlight hmm i haven't heard of that okay it's about yeah it's about like this girl who's like a ex-magical girl and she like i I don't remember but she like yeah she like it's like she starts working a coffee shop or something i think she like gets in trouble (laughs) i'm going through it right now but it's just like Okay, yeah, you'll have to send that to me later. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about but it. But she's like, she's like post high school and she's all like, you know, bitter. The, the, <laughs> the washed up magical girl. Yeah. That's, that's and, interesting to me. I don't think I could read many series about that, but just, no, I mean, rather about that, about that idea, just because I, I like seeing them in yeah, the Yeah, I'll have to send world, it to you. But yes, it's, please do. Um, so my first series was Tokyo Mew Mew, and it was the manga first and then the anime but only the sub i mean i mean the dub only the dub it was the dub that i got introduced to first because of course it was on four kids at like 6 a.m on saturday mornings and i would wake up to watch it i think i only caught a few episodes during that time because i love sleep but watching the anime was so bizarre and weird compared to the manga because they all had American names and I don't want to get too much into the localizations of this of magical girl genres but like we all know about Sailor Moon and how Usagi like 
how they they make the sailor um uranus and sailor neptune are cousins and it's just mm -hmm. like okay that's not real but okay it the localization words are like mu ichigo is named zoe and there's karina oh, and Bridget. you didn't know this it's no it's a lot I mean, okay you know I, about the card captors <laughs> so right with with, with tokyo mew mew they're all named after fruit or like foods like we got um, Mew Ichigo. I almost said Sailor Ichigo. This is fine. Mew Ichigo, uh, Mew Mint, Mew Lettuce, Mew Pudding, and Mew Zakuro. And Zakuro means pomegranate. Um, and Ichigo means strawberry. Um, but in the English version, they gave them all super Americanized names. And I actually rewatched this somewhat recently because I cosplayed finally um, Mew Ichigo at Sien Japan, which is really like a dream cosplay for me because... This is what got me into comics and art and interested in storytelling was Tokyo Mew Mew. I found the first three volumes at a Best Buy, like in a weird little book section at a Best oh, Buy, which is so weird. But I found them and I was like, hey, mom, can I get these? These are so colorful and beautiful. And they were just all color coordinated with the first three girls of the of the team. And it was my first manga, like reading it backwards. And so I just... It was it was wonderful. I think I talked about this in our secret introduction episode that we haven't released. But yes, um, but I rewatched the the four kids <laughs> TV series and it's so bad, but it's also just like so good and nostalgic. And maybe if I watched it, if I hadn't watched it when I was younger and I watched it now, I would find it very cringy. But mm -hmm. now I just find it entirely endearing. And and that's that's what adulthood's about. Maybe maybe that's how yeah. it all comes back. <laughs> yeah i trust me i got some years on you that's exactly what it is you figured Hell out the yeah. secret yep excellent Woo! now now i'm good i'm good I'm okay. now i can just coast but yep. so tokyo Mew Mew and actually magic knights ray earth were my first um magical girl series magic knights ray earth that's ray earth was yeah the, the manga is really nice i i need to I think I ended up giving them away when I when I went through all my manga, but I gotta gotta go back to it because it that yeah, that yeah is I've such been, I've quintessentially the yeah, quintessential been... clamp like style of mm -hmm. their beautiful '90s fluffy bangs and the big eyes and the intricate costumes. Magic Knights Ray Earth is is really nice, and it's it's a pretty short series too. Yeah. Um, one series that I didn't get into that much when I was younger was Cardcaptor Sakura. Um, I know, okay. I know. I didn't okay. get into it when I was younger. I did listen, okay. I did read, or rather I watched Angelic Lair, which mm -hmm. I don't necessarily qualify as a magical girl anime, but it has very, I associate it with Cardcaptor Sakura because it kind of came out around the same time. Yeah. But it's not, it doesn't have transformation so much. It's more of a, uh, it's in the shoujo vein, but kind of a, it has shown in elements though, because they yeah, it's the the dolls are fighting. Um, yeah, Angelic Lair is an interesting one, but Cardcaptor Sakura, I didn't really grow up with it. Did you grow up with it? Yeah, yeah, that actually is. I mean, it was your jam. I see yeah. you put like ten exclamation points next yeah, to it, I next mean, to it. I'm like, I'm trying outline. to think of things because our first series are both very similar. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, the story with me is that, of course. I had Sailor Moon first. Yeah, I mean, how and did you how did you like get into it? What was your first exposure to it, or what what drew you to it? Yeah, uh, so that's what I've been trying to remember because I can't remember specific events. But um, so 
uh, with Toonami, Toonami happened when I was around 13, 14. And Toonami was Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. And that was yes. pretty much the first anime. And I mean, and also there was, you know, excluding like Pokemon and Digimon and all that stuff. Because that had been out before that. You know, I got into Sailor Moon around 13. And I was into that. And then... I, rem- I don't remember how I got into Clamp. Uh, so Clamp is a manga group. And if you've read any of their stuff, it's <laughs> it's got a very, they have a very distinct style. It's, um, you know, it's only four women in the whole I did team. know that. Yeah, but which is made, crazy. They've made tons of series. They've My- made a ton of mm-hmm. stuff. And they don't really, like, the... The stories that they do doesn't really, uh, it's not like a specific, you know, they, they play by their own rules. Like, mm-hmm. they'll be like, yeah, okay, this has magical girls in this, but it's really more of like a shonen yeah. or something like or that. Or like, hey, we made this whole series and we're going to make another series, but like bring in all the characters from our other series into mm-hmm. this one series. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> so I, I don't know how I got into Clamp. Uh, I feel I like found the manga that is first. the... Honestly, I think that that's the most quintessential way of getting into Clamp is you're just it, like, oh, really, how did I, somehow I just stumbled upon them. Yeah, but, well, it's, I, yeah, because, yeah, because, like, when I was, like, 14, 15, and this was back in, oh, gosh, this was back in, like, 2000, okay, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so this is back in, like, the early 2000s, and we didn't have social media, Mm-hmm. not everybody even had broadband internet yet. Some of us still had dial-up. Yeah, forget and, about cell phones. Like. Yeah, <laughs> like, we did not have smartphones. And so it kind of, I don't know how, but, like, eventually you kind of just find a few of the other, like, anime nerds in your school, and you kind of just stick with them. And then you kind of just hear, like, word of mouth of things. Like, someone would just randomly have some manga that they found at... We, had, we used to have this store called Suncoast, and and we used to have a very teeny tiny manga section in Barnes and Nobles, and now it's its own yeah. aisle. But used to, you- it used to be at the very bottom at the corner, and you kind of just got whatever you could find. Do you remember and- Borders, though? Borders, yeah. like, Borders, Borders was, was my jam. Borders was lit with, <laughs> it was just lit with, like, manga. And, like, Dude, I like, got so, so I, I got so much manga so from the Borders much. that was closing. I got and so like, much. Why did Borders have more than Barnes & Noble? I just, I just remember going to Borders, Borders all the time, especially, like, when it started closing and just stocking up on all my manga and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so, like, when I was like 14 15 you just kind of you just kind of found whatever manga or animes that you that your friends had like vhs's of and they'd let you borrow it and just it was very like underground okay so (laughs) um so i don't remember how i got into it but that was really that was everything that i read was just i just got into clamp and then i got into um like shoujo b and all that other stuff and that would expose me to new stuff like that's how i got into peach girl which i know you know about because you gave me all of your peach girl and yeah and so like that was me as like a 16 year old and and so yeah i got into ray earth first yeah and that was always that is such a big 
series for me. Like I remember getting the manga and then I remember finding the VHS of it. And oh, I was damn. just like, oh, I, I've never God. even seen the anime. That's, that's incredible. It's very 90s. <laughs> oh, gosh. And it's, and Bring Earth is crazy because it has a plot twist. That's very, uh, very surprised. It was very surprising to me. It kind of broke the the mold of yeah. where I thought the story I, was going to go. It I became don't really, very dark. And I don't really want to spoil things in this episode. No, I'm just saying if that we, there's a twist. If we have another uh, episode kind of about Magic Knights or other series, like we can get a little more into it. Mm -hmm. But this is all a general conversation about Magic Orgle and these series. But we don't want to spoil anyone's fun because oh, all was, the series you know we what, mentioned was, is going to be There great. was another one, and I'm not sure if this was technically um magical girl but i mean it kind of did but it was kind of more of like a harem thing um which one <laughs> have you ever heard of uh hold on let me okay, i gotta okay. look it up take, to make sure take your time to look it up because i no, feel like i might have heard of it oh yeah like, i think totally, i know what you're talking totally about heard of it. i just okay. want to make sure that i'm pronouncing it right oh yeah uh fushiki yugi yes fushiki yeah. yugi yes was, of course yeah. yes yeah. that's okay i i definitely count that as a magical girl anime although it's well i don't know it, it okay, is it's she, about this girl she, she gets transported mm -hmm. into a book and then she's like a goddess and she like like she stumbles into a different world yeah. but it's not it's not necessarily transformative but it's oh man it's definitely like in that vein of that it's i mean it was, it's okay. very shoujo but it's more you like said, you said harem but i don't really think it was that harem but it was a little bit okay what but what's it was the, like her and like seven characters for bit, people to ship her with it had a little bit of the etchy kind of stuff like yeah. but only to the extent that i think like ranma half would have i guess like we well, saw she her did a lot of like lot, purifying but, like, bathing yeah in the sea or river yeah. or whatever and you're yeah. like okay but, but it was just that one shitty guy who really liked money he was her love interest yeah <laughs> man oh man i read so many books of that and that that series is really interesting like at, at, from with female heroines because her best friend from the real world also goes into this other book yeah world she becomes her. like a but, rival yeah, uh, but because they just like land in different places, and she just has the worst experience, and just like it, 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 her story is that of tragedy, whereas the main mm -hmm. character gets kind of the hero's journey, and it's very interesting to see that that warring conflict there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's yeah. kind of like what I was, what I remember being exposed to mm -hmm. uh, in like ninth grade and stuff. And that really got me into pretty much all of manga and anime and everything. Like that kind of was the starting point. I started with Magical Girl uh, yeah. stuff. But I did get into, um, I don't remember how I got into Cardcaptor Sagra, but that is definitely one of my favorite just visually. Mm -hmm. Like anytime I see fan art of her, even to this day in Artist mm -hmm. Alleys, I'm just like, oh. And it's crazy because the anime came out in the late 90s and yeah. it's so good it looks like it came out today and that means they have, they have a new series too, they do the, have a new series and I haven't, yeah crystal. and i haven't watched it Wait, crystal no clear card sailor moon yeah. is the crystal one this is clear card yes yeah and i haven't watched it but um because it just you know i'm so used to things coming all out at once that it was i kept forgetting to be like oh yeah there's another episode and so i haven't finished it but um <laughs> even the fair. original yeah even the original is just it's it's wonderful but we were talking about dubs earlier and i remember when it was four kids 
got, got kids. it. <laughs> yeah, and no, here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. First, they just called it card captors. And are you serious? Yeah, no, because I, I never watched listen, this, so this is all new. Listen, to listen. Me. <laughs> so, so there's a there's a um there's another character who he shows up way later. Not way later, but he shows up in like episode 15 or whatever. And he's like this rival slash eventually ally love interest or whatever. And they started with that episode. So Wait. they they, they yes. did not Why? air any of the other episodes because there were... Why all- did they air them out because of they order? Wanted it, because they, they wanted it to be for boys. They it's thought that still- boys weren't going to watch it. God, ugh, so stupid. Because literally, like, the reason I picked up Tokyo Mew Mew at that Best Buy, and the reason we, like, our, our entry drug into this was Magical Girl stuff is because it's marketed to us, and it's something that we can all enjoy. Like, Harry Potter and things are, like, for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, like, having something that's so, such a feminine sphere, especially, like, growing up, and having that be your first interest in that, it's something that you don't have to be embarrassed by because Mm -hmm. I remember like being a tomboy was very cool growing up because oh I can like boy things and girl things but I can like boy things because boy things are more acceptable to like like boys can't like pink but only girls can like pink but if a girl likes blue then like she's cool and that has kind of persisted It, it is getting better but like growing up and kind of being indoctrinated in that I, I don't think I grew up with that in my family but I definitely did in the society perspective of it so oh, it's so yeah, stupid just, to be like just boys can't enjoy magical girls like no like it's it's anyone can enjoy it it does feature girls but as I will get into later like we have more four kids is stupid right four kids they is don't know what stupid. they're doing like they four literally kids, cut, I will they go off on a rant they God gutted damn it, four kids they <laughs> gutted out this anime this popular anime they got Why the rights to it zoe? and they gutted it Don't out so that boys would watch it <laughs> god <laughs> anyway oh, i anyway. yeah i have a i'm i'm actually re i'm trying to fill up my manga collection of clamp stuff so i actually have the first and like the fourth volume of card capture sakura and i'm trying to get all of it as well as yes. uh ray earth i should get ray yes. earth too yes, and so yes. that's me too yeah the, the wonderful thing is that now that we now that time has passed and we are older um they start re-releasing the series especially the ones that were first published by tokyo pop which mm-hmm. has treated its they they treat their creators terribly, especially their like American manga creators and all this shit. And now yeah. they're back. Right. And it's like, no, we don't want you. Go away, Tokyo Pop. We do yeah. not support you. This but is like, just a general blanket. But like, I as a fourteen you. year old, that was like, that was like my one. Oh, yeah, no, that was that was all entrance. we could have when we were younger. But then they totally like fucked over everyone and like literally just like did not finish series and things like that. So they disappeared for a while, and Shoujo Beat was able to pick up the pieces that they left behind. So I think. Shoujo Beat now is re-releasing the Tokyo Mimu series, or they already did, um, kind of in the omnibus form because everything is in omnibus now. I have, I do have the first omnibus for Cardcaptor Sakura because that's being re-released and mm-hmm. uh, Magic Knight's Ray Earth too. And they're such nice shiny volumes. I can't wait to own them all. Same oh, yeah. with like Basket. Mm, it looks so good. But fuck Tokyo Pop. But <laughs> but I, I love Shoujo Beat. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Shoujo Beat. <laughs> 
So do you have a favorite series that we haven't talked about? Um, We were going to talk about first series and favorite series, but I feel like they're kind of the same. We kind of talked about everything. I mean, at this past day in Japan, I cosplayed uh, Tokyo Mimio, which has been literally like a decade in the making just it was very cool because one of my best friends we got into Tokyo Mimu at the same time because I bought them and lent them all to her and so we loved that and now we were able to cosplay them at this most recent con and that was just like so cool and nostalgic and what like a journey to see us grow as we were that age of those characters and then like growing up and still appreciating it. Oh yeah. Like Ray Earth is one of my dream cosplays. I would love to cosplay that with you. Like just side note. Like I just don't know which like, because they have all this like fan art, not fan art, but like official art, like art book stuff where Mm -hmm. they have different outfits Mm -hmm. that were never in the manga or anything. And I'm just like, I don't even know where to start, but like I've seen people that have cosplayed the whole, all three of the Ray Earth girls. And I've just Mm -hmm. been like, right right I love and I just love that like now we get to see a lot more people there are tons of Tokyo Mimio cosplayers out now because Mm -hmm. everyone grew up with it because it was one of the first like localized magical girl series and it's Mm -hmm. awesome to see so many people who love the same things and now we are all older and have uh, as cosplayers I think have grown up and have the skills to make these costumes now Mm -hmm. Uh, we have the sewing skills and that's very cool yeah Um, because my 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 thing that I love to work with when it comes to cosplay and stuff is I like the flowy fabrics and I like the pretty things and I like Mm -hmm. the big dresses and stuff but like I just it's I don't have a lot of cosplays that come up but really I just want to make clamp stuff and I've never done a clamp cosplay before but like I've always wanted to like the thing about so the thing about Sakura is even though um, so there's this other series called Subasa, which is a yes. big crossover which of is all of their works. The one and it's I amazing. Throw everyone but, into the melting pot. Like, it's fine. Okay, I know. Okay, I know that like cosplays for everybody, and I get that and all that stuff. But Sakura has these beautiful gowns and outfits and stuff that I always want to make. But she is like eternally twelve. And I do not have the body of a 12-year-old. So I'm like, yeah. these will look different on me. <laughs> it's like, like the, the age She's not gone through puberty yet. So. Even when I was mentioning, like, cosplaying Mew Ichigo, it's weird because I am 25 and I have cosplayed. Now I'm, I'm cosplaying this 12-year-old that I've loved, like, for so long. But I know. to be fair, they are drawn differently sometimes. But it's... I don't know, man. It's 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 interesting because it's like they mean so much to me as my growth as a person, mm-hmm. but I am way older than the, I'm like their mom now, which yeah. is strange. You're like, ha, 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 I'm. I mean, ha, like I'm you, I but feel? I'm also your mom. But I'm like, you and your big sister. I feel I'm in my 30s, and I'm like gonna cosplay another 15 year old. <laughs> this is fine. Just. <laughs> anime this is just the cosplayer's life right now but it's a struggle. I, I, clamp though as a side note clamp definitely have they have such incredible costumes especially with cardcaptor sakura because she gets different kind of fighting costumes or like like different transformation costumes yeah so she yeah. has she has a friend slash her cousin mm-hmm. who she finds out and her this character is very rich mm-hmm. and her and she finds out that uh, Sakura is a, a magical girl and she she thinks she's like okay 
the, the characters are like 12 and there's all these weird uh, themes about love, but basically she is like in, in love with her, mm-hmm. even though they're cousins. It's, it's a big thing. It's, it's and, to, what, what's the character's name? Uh, Tamoya. Yeah, Tamoya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she, she's really into uh, filming. And also I think her mom uh, is like a fashion designer or something because basically she she makes all these costumes for Sakura to wear because she thinks that it's cute. Honestly, like, oh, just like it looks so cute. So that's why she has so many different outfits. So every time she goes and gets it, because she's chasing these magical cards, these like tarot cards that are mm-hmm. wreaking havoc. And so every time a new one pops up, her friend just makes a new outfit for her. <laughs> and so, it's so awesome. smart. Clamp Clamp knows exactly what they're doing. This is just a cosplayer's paradise. Yeah. Like there's so much to choose from. Um Yeah, I've seen people cosplay as the um as the cards and they're oh, really? gorgeous. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to find some for you because I'm just like, oh that's so clever. Yeah. And with, with Clamp, they're, they're, the intricacy of their designs I equate with Fire Emblem characters mm-hmm. who have, although it makes a little more sense with Clamp, they're just ornate. Whereas Fire Emblem, it's like, why are your boots like that? Why are they backwards? Like, I don't understand. Why do you have one sleeve, but like one arm is just going to get tan all the time, Crom? Like, what are you doing? I don't understand. I don't understand fashion in the Fire hey, Emblem. Hey, at least it's not as bad as Final Fantasy. That's I don't know. I feel like they're on even ground. Okay, so at least look, at least Final at, Fantasy like, has like Final listen, Fantasy lightning like, has lightning has like fucking models for like Chanel or whatever. Like lightning, she she has like fashion handbags and things, and all those all those road I'm trip boys saying, and Final I'm Fantasy. Just, I'm just saying that is <laughs> once like cosplay became a big thing. <laughs> Final Fantasy was like, oh, fuck you. They're like, oh, what if we make it harder? Try to make this. There's 18 zippers on here. Go for it. And I'm like, like, the the creators of Ruby who designed all the outfits were like, well, we'll give them like pouches and things so cosplayers can have like places to carry shit. Okay, so here's here's a funny tidbit that has nothing to do with anything about Magical Girls, but it just reminded Mm. me of this. So one of my biggest dreams is to make a webcomic and I decided to go with the high fantasy stuff and it's a lot of world building and I'm having a it's it's very frustrating to be a cosplayer and design outfits for your characters because like right? you're just okay. like this won't be functional <laughs> like, just saying, uh, like as a webcomic creator you have to be everything and I also have uh, we okay you get me peony yeah. anyway we it, Mm, yes it's just as a creative creator it's just a lot and outfits that look cool but you know once you start breaking it down you're like this can't be on a regular person right it doesn't work this way (laughs) you have to make it realistic enough that this person can actually like move around and exist i guess but like what is what is fashion i have a very good eye for fashion i just don't have maybe a like curatorial eye like i don't have a good hand for fashion i guess i don't know (laughs) Anyway, I can pick it if it's already made, but but clamp though. Yes, back to that. Um, <laughs> this is now a clamp episode. This Yay. is now just a clamp episode. I love clamp. Actually, my my first. This is also kind of unrelated, but my first clamp was um, Chobits. Actually, which yeah. honestly, I probably should not have read that so young because. There were a lot of um, there was a lot. a lot of like sexual metaphors, it, it, to say the very least. 
Um, but then once you series. once you finish it, it's very sweet. I love I love Chobits. I, I love it. I think it was. I don't know how I came across it, but it's just kind of in the way that Clamp, Clamp like, just hey, Clamp shows up. New yeah, Clamp just shows up in your life sometime, and you just have to accept it and welcome it. And mm -hmm. I do with open arms. Yep. I remember what I was talking about. I love Tokyo Mew Mew for all of the reasons that I have stated, but I don't think it's my favorite series anymore. Um, really? I think it would be in terms of nostalgia. Um, but I really, really love Magical Girls Rising Project. And I'm, I I'm mentioned this because it's, it's a lot. <laughs> so I recently cosplayed from it again, um, at this past San Japan. And as I was working on other cosplays, I decided to rewatch the series, at least the first four episodes, because they are dubbed now, which is great because that means that maybe it'll be serialized and released in America. I'm very hopeful. This series is on the dark side um of the magical genre which yeah because as and like the mid like the mid late 2000s is like okay what if magical girl anime made you sad we're like <laughs> yes we've we've seen magical girls we've seen this kind of formula that we've kind of come across of the girl finds her teammates and they all become magical and fight evil and things like that and there are still series that continue to do that in a upbeat uh good triumphs over evil kind of way but especially with the with madoka magica which i definitely like want you to talk about just mm -hmm. it kind of it, it definitely changed the game for magical girl anime and genre and how we consume it and also what we expect from it so the dark anime girls yes it absolutely like i feel like unequivocally started with madoka magica right yeah, I mean there were there were other examples, but that was definitely the uh, the big one. I, I did not. I actually did not know that was the premise. I I kept seeing because I remember seeing it everywhere. I kept seeing like gifts yes, of it and everything. And I was like, okay, this is really cute, and everybody's talking about it and all that stuff. And I had mm -hmm. no idea it's, the I mood that, that it was going into. That is the one that took everyone by surprise. Yeah. Because so I, I would argue that a lot of magical girls they do deal with tragedy a bit. Um, I, I think particularly with uh, Sailor Moon, uh, with the whole so she has visions of her past life and mm -hmm. how her past self, but the, the queen Celine, uh, Celine, yes, Serena, Serenity. Ser yeah, serenity. So there's, um, so there's Queen Serenity, and then there's Princess Serenity. The, her like past, Queen isn't the mama. Yes, and and how she died, and 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 Dimion died, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of tragedy in that of girls kind of needing to give up their normal lives for the responsibility mm -hmm. of their magic, and mm -hmm. often the responsibility of these past lives lives that they've lived. Uh, Tokyo Mimi has a little bit of that too. I won't like get into it for spoiler reasons, I guess, but it, it's kind of like it, with those, especially early 90s series, everything kind of harkens back to past lives and past, I don't know, renditions of magical girls that have uh, mm. come before them. So it is like kind of a little bit sad, but Madoka Magico definitely took it in a turn that was. The way Not I, yeah, after I watched it, the way that I heard it described, and which people may or may not agree with, the way that it's summarized is 
It is to magical girl anime what Evangelion is to super awesome mecha anime. Mm. Where it's like, let's take this thing that looks really cool and then make it horrible. Yes. Because the whole point of Monica is that you do not want to be a magical girl. I am fascinated with this idea because it takes something that has been established and that we've seen before. And mm-hmm. it it's like, okay, yes, but what if all of it isn't good? What if these series that were made to, yes, to empower girls, but to, to entertain and to be like fun and frilly and and feminine and wonderful or rather mecha to be like awesome and action and you get like all these cool super like effects and everything but like what if we take those and we make them a little like what if they're bad i don't know i think that nowadays it's a little shitty to consider that in terms of like it's like hey welcome to my damaged mind welcome to my fucked up world but like to be the first of these series that turned that trope on its head is really fascinating to me and madoka magica like Mm -hmm like a shot in the dark just like really changed a lot of how we interpret magical girls um mm-hmm. in the genre now yeah yeah and it's it's definitely one of my favorite series because it i think it because it affected me so much and it's very short it's only like 12 episodes mm-hmm. and then like it does have of- a few movies like a, yeah. a, i think it's got two or three but they're they're easy to watch i mean it's it's very short and again when this came out it was all people were talking about it It was like the anime of the year Mm -hmm. and so it just took me i got into it really late because i just i don't know i was just like oh okay it's cute or whatever and then finally i started watching it and it even like hints at it in the in the intro credits it's got this cute poppy little song and then like you see like you know like magic girl things and you see monica she's running and her big I call it her big like cupcake dress because she's so poofy. <laughs> and then like, but there's also times where it cuts to her like crying. And mm-hmm. I was just like, huh, okay. And I'm like, huh, what? Why? Okay, I guess I guess we're we're gonna see some sad things in this series, huh? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Man, yeah, it's it's interesting because so Magical Girl Rising Project follows that same vein where surprise it's not gonna be super happy i'm not gonna spoil things but it definitely has a these girls make a contract to become magical girls um Mm -hmm. which is kind of similar in i mean uh, i guess in kumimu and sailor moon they sort of do it there they are chosen and so they they step up into the role Um, it's a it's a very be careful what you wish for sort of story mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, with with Madoka Magica and Magical Girl Raising Project, it it turns it so the the animal companion or the the fairy companion, which every series sort of has, except I, I guess Sailor Moon does have that in Luna the Cat, but in oh, yeah, um, yeah. but but in in Tokyo Mimu, it's this flight, it's this like little floating thing, and in Magical Girl Raising Project, it's this little another little floating thing named Pawn, and he's a bastard. And in these darker Magical Girl things, the contract itself is what fucks them over. And mm-hmm. that is, so the their magical companions become the antagonists, sort of, although there are lots of other antagonists as well, regardless mm-hmm. of the monsters that they're fighting in general. Um, but Magical Girl Rising Project is a very specific interest because I... I love this series and in rewatching it, I just rekindled my love for it. It is very bleak, I will warn you. So 
this series, as I tell all my friends, this series will break you. So watch at your own risk. Um, but it's definitely I ended not up for everyone. It. I no, I'm talking about Magical Girl Rising Project. Oh, not Madoka Magic. Yeah, I'm scared but, of that show. Yes. So, um, okay. Well, I, I do want to mention that I do love the style of Madoka Magica. The the watercolor. It's it's not quite watercolor. I guess it's it's like colored pencil esque kind of animation style. Um, mm -hmm. It's because it's very soft. They have very soft lines and very like wide faces and soft colors. It's very pure, but then it tricks you, and that's that's what it does. Meanwhile, with Magical Girl Racing Project, this is a series that has existed after Madoka Magica. So we already know how a Magical Girl show can kind of trick you into a false sense of complacency or like, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, how it can trick you into a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. But so Magical Girl Racing Project kind of relies on that in the sense that it preys on the idea that you know something bad is going to happen and i relate the two because i think that magical girl rising project is much more bleak than madoka magica because there is not really a lot of hope in this series which is why it's very hard to watch and i i get why some people wouldn't want to watch it but it's based on a series of light novels about these different girls so there are actually a few seasons not of the anime but of the uh light novels um, and the main character, Snow White, stays throughout it. So each character, it's set in modern times, so they have this phone game. So the main character is just a middle school or high school girl, and she has a phone game that lets her be a magical girl. And all of a sudden, one night, she's like thinking, like, oh, I wish I were a magical girl, because she's loved magical girls her whole life. Mm -hmm. um, and there have been sightings of real magical girls kind of around the, their city recently. And she's like, okay, that's weird, but I really hope it's true. And she gets a notification on her little magic game that yeah, you've been selected to be now. a magical girl. Yeah, um, I remember this. Do now. you want to? Uh, yes. Do you want to like accept? No, I just, like, I, yes. I just know like a bit about the first episode. So mm -hmm. the it, it's an interesting concept. I like this series a lot because every different magical girl are all very different. So she accepts and she becomes Snow White, who's kind of this guardian of purity. And each of the magical girls have super strength super whatever but they also have a special power and her power is that she can hear the voices of people who are in trouble mm -hmm. um uh there's another character named la pucelle who's my other favorite character who is a dragon knight kind of character so she has a character design that is kind of like a knight but she also has a dragon tail and dragon ears and she has a sword and her power is that her sword can grow like as as big as she like needs it to so she can be very powerful and there's other characters like Hardcore Alice, who is kind of a Lolita, Alice in Wonderland zombie kind of girl. But all these different magical girls have different aesthetics. One is um, Top Speed, who's a witch. And another one is, what's her name? Something Mary. She's literally the worst and she sucks and I hate her. But she's like a cowgirl. What's her name? I don't know. She like drinks a lot. Something mm. Mary. I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look it up. But she's just like a lot. And she's actually one of the characters who is well okay i'm not going to spoil it but each girl you don't know who they are in real life but it kind of becomes a it does become a battle royale hunger games s kind of story but mm -hmm. in it there's a lot of really interesting character designs because they are all different aesthetics and different looks um and in each of the light novels they have different girls who appear kind of in different generations of the the magical raising project but it's very good and one reason i really love it is because the main character snow white is the beacon of purity and hope and loves 
all things girl good and all things magical girls. And she used to have this um, childhood friend who was this young boy at her school uh, when she was in elementary school and they kind of grew apart. But when she meets this character, La Pucelle, as the magical girl, La Pucelle says, I think I know you. And it's because La Pucelle is that boy from her past. La Pucelle, when she transforms into La Pucelle, she's a woman. But when she's not transformed, she is the boy whose name I whose name escapes me right now. But it's it's very interesting because when she transforms, she's like, no, call me, call me her, call me a girl, because I'm I'm a magical girl now. Mm-hmm. And so it's very specific and very like interesting queer representation in that in that of itself like I I see her as trans but they are also very explicitly girlfriends it's very very good and Mm -hmm. I love them a lot and this series will fucking break you though I swear please don't watch it if you are gonna be sad about like characters like it's it's very very sad but the thing with the way I compare it to Madoka Magica is that it's just very bleak and there is not a lot of hope of things getting better. But I really love Snow White as a character a lot. And I love learning the different characters' backstories because you don't know everyone's backstory. You know Lapusel kind of early on, but all the other girls you kind of learn along the way. And they are magical girls, but they're also like evil and like bad people, some of mm-hmm. them. It's it's fascinating, but I think that's my favorite magical girl series right now just because it, it it gives me a lot of emotions that it's just very complex yeah well, I've talked good. a lot about it but that's that's my pitch for it it's it's complex and it's very cool to see a series that or rather a genre magical girl genre that has been done so many times and to be like put into this more complex like layered storyline because it works not only on its own narrative um, structure, but also just on the history of Maho Shoujo and what you would expect out of a series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we are going to need to wrap this up pretty soon. Yes, I know. I'm sorry. I went on a lot about that. God, it's it's dumb. Uh, <laughs> There's so much I want to talk know, about. I know. <laughs> I just want to touch on the just like the themes that I love about it. Let me just quick fire what I love about this, the Maho Shoujo genre, and then you can sure. kind of quick fire your stuff. So yes. I'll probably quick. agree with everything. Yes, that you say. I, I know. I'm just gonna like go off. So uh, first of all, color coordination and character archetypes. Yes. Especially in the groups that are like teams of five, like Tokyo Mimu and Sailor Moon and etc. They all are color coordinated and beautiful and they all have their different distinct personalities. And being introduced to that as a young kid into that like, narrative style was very cool just like from a writer perspective you have all these girls and they're all working together and they're all very different but they all like work together as a team and they all have their own little colors and their different weapons and things like that um yeah I like other other everybody always had a theme mm-hmm. like it, exactly. if, it, if it was a power or something like or like an animal or like a it's something that they're good at which, mm-hmm. which defines them and my other thing crybaby heroes This is actually very important to me because I realized early on when I was like, I don't know, 13, I found it fascinating that Ichigo Momomiya, who is um, uh, Mew Ichigo, she is an incredible crybaby. Just she cries all the fucking time and also calls herself a crybaby. And her and like Usagi are very important characters to have as main characters and like the most powerful keys to the series but they also cry a lot and are very sensitive and having mm-hmm. that as a representation is 
very like I mean having them as like the main character mm-hmm. is crazy. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't appreciate Usagi when I was younger. But now Me that I'm neither, older I and like. I mm-hmm. too just want to mm-hmm. stay home and eat sweets and play video games. Right. I'm like, I get you. Like she's 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 not she's not the like clumsy ditzy type. She's just like she kind of is a stupid girl, and she, but she's really caring and she loves to eat and be lazy. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that is so relatable. Yeah, the, the idea that a, a main female character doesn't have to be everything, doesn't have to keep trying to be the best at everything, and she can just kind of be herself but still be valued because of that is mm-hmm. incredible. I did want to, okay, and and another thing I really like about it is that the the genre is that it's a heavy focus on balancing their magical life versus their normal life, which Mm -hmm. I think is a stark contrast to superhero comics, which, so magical girls deal less with secret identity than superhero comics do. Superhero comics, I think, deal with that in the way that, oh no, if the villain finds out my identity, they're going to hurt my family or me or come after me when I am unsuperpowered. So it comes from a protector machismo um, kind of standpoint, I think. But with magical girls, it's more about themselves and how they deal with how do I juggle fighting demons in my like magical life, but also doing homework for like math class and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love that juxtaposition because it is much more relatable to younger girls and that the, the demographic that they're trying to build up. This is a series, or this is a genre that is very female-made and female-dominated, but everything is, like, girly and sparkly and unapologetic, and I love it. And Glitter Force, this series that's on Netflix, it's it's a Japanese anime, but it's not for, like, you can't have the Japanese audio on Netflix. I don't know, it's weird. But literally, the girls transform using the magical power of the makeup that they have. <laughs> Sailor Moon uses compacts, but Glitter Force, like, they put on, like, fancy eyeshadow and all this stuff it's just so unapologetically feminine which is something that like I love and I I think that a lot of people at least of like my generation and and maybe yours grew up with a lot of internalized like misogyny and so overcoming that Mm -hmm. and being able to embrace that the girly side of us has been like formative it's just it's a shift in storytelling from the from the 90s like the late 90s the movies that we grew up with it was like okay here's the girly girl she's the villain she's the bitch because she likes girly stuff and here's the girl who likes to read or she likes science or she likes to Mm -hmm. like work on cars so she's not girly and it's like yeah she has seven brothers people can Mm -hmm. both (laughs) it's the whole idea of of me versus the the ubiquitous other girls like mm-hmm. quote unquote and and being able to embrace that no girls are awesome and you see i have this team of like magical girls and we're all very different we all like different things but like we all love each other and we fight with the power of love mm-hmm. and like our emotions are our power is is a very important thing yeah that's basically all i wanted to say so i i if you want to like that was my quick draw if you want to shoot off other things that you have i'm trying to think (laughs) oh i've just talked about so much i'm like i know and i and i did like i went off a lot with it's okay it's i just i love magical girl so much because it's so it's so fucking sad but it and it's so bleak but i'm like 
they over I have like so many years of like pent up trying to deny that I like this these shows mm-hmm. that now I'm just like I don't give a fuck they're mm-hmm. great right and it's now like, I just I, I, sometimes I, just I wanna, can't even I, explain it I'm just, I just like wanna, I just want to read some some manga mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to do ah oh, I I really can't think of anything else other than like hey <laughs> mentioned a lot of really great series that if you haven't checked out you totally should. Mm-hmm. Or um, if there are series that we didn't mention, please let us know because I'm always in the market to. I also look at this is just series. I'm not going to talk about this very much, but I would like to contend that Kill a Kill is a magical girl series. Yes, agree. Because there's a transformation scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's and I love this. It's so weird. It's a shonen anime as well though like it's a shonen series but it's, it's also shonen. a magical girl it's it, it, what's That's fascinating is just worlds. like having established what magical girls are then we move on to like okay yes the dark magical genre okay what if we spin that a, le- a little bit even more or like magical girls yes but what if we make it shonen what if we make it this and this and this and just seeing it branch off from its own foundation is fascinating i love the different twists that series can pull on it mm-hmm. it's just it's one of my new favorite tropes i guess which is here's a cute thing it it has cute music and it has cute designs but just wait wait it's not gonna be cute for very long and but, you're just like wait a minute mm-hmm. i didn't mean to get sad but here I am. Now I'm emotionally invested. Now mm-hmm. I want them to have a happy ending mm-hmm. that I thought they were gonna have. It's mm-hmm. good. And the and overall the 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 staple of it is just that the world rests on the shoulders of young girls. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And it's very important. A lot of young adult supernatural series also relate to that. And and as we'll talk about in our next episode with Western Magical Girls. Like there's always the, the the chosen one as a like this young girl, and it's it's a fascinating yeah. trip to kind of see. And a lot of I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but I know that a lot of ensemble groups where there would be one girl, mm-hmm. usually she had like healing powers, and that was kind of yeah, yeah didn't really that's do true. a lot. She was just there to kind of bandage all the boys up. Uh-huh. And I mean, just the fact that she was just like the girl of the she group. Was like I'm the girl. I'm here to aid you and heal you. And like, again, I can't think of examples off the top of my head I mean, because like, I'm really fan- sleepy, but it's just, I don't know, like fantastic four. She's not a healer, but she's like the girl of the group yeah. or like freaking the, the female turtle in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the series that no one wants to talk about because they're all sexist. It's fine. That's what, mm. what introduced me to turtles. Everyone fight me, fight me. But I feel like if we were given more time, we could come up with more series. It's okay. Mm. We'll come back to this one mm. day. Mm. Yes, because well, I don't. I don't want to seem unknowledgeable, but I know they exist. I know they exist out there. I'm I gonna find them. I just can't think of them right now because if I think of them, then I'll probably just get mad. So it's okay. <laughs> we can we can talk about them on our next episode. Yes, which we are going to talk about Western magical girls mm-hmm. because it's you know different storytelling and but. A lot of similarities. And it, it does branch a little bit more into the superhero genre, but I think mm-hmm. I think Western magical girls, so like series that are made for young girls, uh, share more similarities with Maho Shoujo than they do with 
superhero capes comics. Mm-hmm. All right. I think it is time to call it a day. <laughs> I think it's time. My I'm, brain is starting to ooze out of my out of my ears. and I feel that. I think just, I just have a lot of emotions. Uh, see, with Ace Attorney, we were just like so focused. And with Magical Girls, it's like, oh, fuck, there's so much more than I thought that there would be. I know. Every time uh, I had a thought, like I <laughs> thought about everything that I wanted to talk about today during work and it's like every time I said a thought I came up with eight more thoughts and I was just like I don't know where to put this and this um, train of thought but I'm just gonna say it I mean as we talk I, I, I write down notes of things that I want to come back to and it's it's it just grows and it's so <laughs> I just hard. see you just like like arrows everywhere it's just like yeah. chaos yeah I did write I down know. peach girl because I do want to come back to peach girl and the the uh, shoujo soap opera genre. What is our sign off again? And how do we? We do don't it? have one. I know we don't have one, and it's. But I, I stay I, magical. Anything else we do would be too cheesy. Stay, stay magical. Magical. <laughs> I like that. Cool. Stay um, magical. This was Peony and Caro. That was us. To tell you to stay magical and anime was a mistake. Anime was not a mistake. You take that back. Bite your tongue. Anime was definitely a mistake. It kind of was. But here we are. But here we are. It's a mistake that we have to live with. So I do like stay magical. I think that's a good sign off because you can interpret it however you want. Thanks for listening to Generation Fangirl. Stay magical. Yes. Wink, 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 wonk. Bye. Bye.